Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. Okay, here we go. So, if you did not, if you weren't here last Sunday, we have a podcast, and my message is on it, and I don't normally, but I'm telling you, I want you to listen to that, because I'm going to do a continuation of that word. As I was preaching it, I could tell that I was, I was hitting something. It was like, like, you know, if you were mining for oil, and I saw the, the drill start to go, like, we're, we're hitting some oil here. And I just felt so enthralled to, to flesh this message out a little more. Um, and we're talking about the area of discipleship. Okay, so the title of this message is No Shortcuts, Part Two. Cool, okay? So you need to hear part one. I will summarize it really quickly, but it won't do it justice. Because in part one, I talked about the heart. Because discipleship can be a wonky thing. And if it wasn't done right in your life, it'll leave you wounded afraid to re-engage community, afraid to really let people into your world, and that was not God's intention. You know, and our, our job as the church is to always point people to Jesus. We're just trying, we're pointing, we're not the Savior, but we know the Savior. And we want that to trickle through every area of our life so that the reflection of Jesus gets a little more clear, a little more clear. We let, we let God continue. He's washed us with his word already. Once you've accepted Jesus into your heart, listen, there's no other further step for salvation. That is a locked in moment. You are saved, you are set apart, your home is heaven, and their behavior thus forth doesn't change that. We, if we could earn salvation, we wouldn't have needed the cross. The cross is not a, a step stool. It's not a helping point. It's not like a, a model. No, 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 no. It is the salvation. On our best day, if we had to go up with our best day, I mean, the day it's like, man, I listened to every worship song on my playlist and I, and I read four chapters of the Bible. You know, it's like January 7th where you're still on your one-year reading plan and you're killing it. <laughs> Even on January 7th, where you're on time on your reading plan, we cannot approach the holiness of God and get there on our own merit. We, I say it, and I'll keep saying it. We don't work for love. We work from love. The cross is the finished work of Jesus Christ. It was the atonement for your sin. End of discussion. That is how salvation comes in. Read the Bible if you don't believe me. That's <laughs> I, I'm, read the Bible. Just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Okay, read the Bible and you'll see that. Okay, so from that place now, we talked about discipleship. And we talked about, in the first message, I talked about the posture of your heart to be discipled and the posture of your heart to disciple others. And to sum that up really easily, the Bible is very clear. Jesus said, we have to take the posture of a servant. When he was talking to his disciples in John 15, Chapter 15 of John is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And he said in 1515, I no longer call you servant, meaning that the starting point, the stepping into becoming the, the t dream team that was going to build and launch the church here on earth was serving. 
That was the, that was the open door. And so why are we uh, passionate about people going to DNA and finding out who God made you and, how, and your gifting and your talent? Because we want to get you activated in that flow of getting to serve and seeing God begin to use you on a team. You interact with the team. You grow. So servant heart, look, the level of your serve will determine your proximity and your speed of discipleship. You know, you want to get around an Abe a call and just get that faith that he has and that energy that he has. Look at, you know, find out what team he's on and serve on that team and just be like, okay, if I serve, I'm going to stand by Abe and I'm going to get some of that energy, you know? And so our proximity will, our serve dictates our proximity to the growth that we have. And then the ultimate goal, what is a disciple? John 15 nails it down perfectly. It says, abide in me and you're my disciple. We are teaching people to abide in Jesus. That's the goal. Not abide in us, not abide in us, but abide in Jesus. A disciple abides in Jesus. And then he says, you also obey my command. And he simplifies and says, here's my command. Love one another. Love one another. So this whole process of learning how to love well, it it has a healing process. Sometimes you've got to let... God love on you a little bit because maybe you weren't loved so well growing up. Maybe you didn't come from a household where love was communicated in a healthy way. That's okay because God can fix the problem. God can take care of the issue and he can supercharge it with the church. Supercharge it with people that are also learning to abide in Jesus because when you abide in Jesus, you begin to have an overflow. You begin to just, you, you can't help it. You'll start abiding in Jesus. And I've heard it said like this. It starts like this. Love Jesus, he loves me. Love Jesus, he loves me. Love Jesus, he loves me. See, like when you first came to church, you did one hand worship, but then you went to two. <laughs> love Jesus, love me. Love Je- have Jesus love me, I love Jesus. But all of a sudden, something starts to happen. Whoop, Jesus fell out of me. Whoop, Jesus hit somebody. Whoop, Jesus, uh, somebody felt Jesus around me. It begins to shape the cross. Cross is parallel and also perpendicular. Eventually, if you keep stepping in and abiding in Jesus, the natural byproduct is, whoop, Jesus is falling off of me onto people. And they seem to like it. They seem to like it. So I want to flesh this out a little more. We talked about the right heart. Now I want to talk about some practical, what this looks like in the church. Because listen, we could be, you can be a, a, a rowboat Christian. A kayak Christian, it's just you and Jesus. Just you and Jesus. Hey guys, just me and Jesus. And, and you know, you'll occasionally maybe see somebody, give them a high five, help them out, and maybe let them ride on the kayak for a little bit. But what if we're a, a cruise liner? Like I'm just a bunch of people. There's a story actually, uh, I forget which cruise line, but there was actually a time where there was a stranded smaller ship and a cruise line became a rescue ship. And it was a perfect rescue ship because isn't it cool to have a rescue ship that shows up and it also has a pool and a slide and, a, and, a, <laughs> and wine? Like, that's cool. <laughs> if I'm going to get rescued, I'm down. And so we, wanna, we work together for the city, but every individual has a purpose has, and God wants to use you for this city and the stepping into his discipleship. So point number one of how we disciple well in this church is we have a full course meal. The full course. How many foodies in the room? How many people like nice restaurants, love like trying new food? Like I love food where I see the menu and I'm like, I didn't even know you could put those things together. Especially if I see bacon wrapped anything, I'm down, I'll try it. 
I have yet to have something wrapped in bacon that wasn't better. I'm just saying. But I love the five-course meals. I love the ones where it's like, you never, like, what's coming out next? And what's coming out next? You know, you start with the appetizer and the, the oh, the table bread. I love carbs. They're so good. And, you know, with a good, like, butter that's mixed with all kinds of herbs and all the good stuff. And, you know, one of our favorite restaurants that's close to us is Tiburon. And I like it because you order your entree, but then they, they have the courses that come with it. They even have an in-between where they give you a palate cleanser a palate cleanser. It's just gelato, but because they call it a palate cleanser, I'm like, this is amazing. I could look, clean palate. Cucumber gelato, just changed the game for my life. But I love the full course meal, and just like a good meal has a well-rounded, you got some protein, you got some vegetables, you got some carbs, you have some more carbs, you put some cheese on the carbs, but you know, like... You have this full course meal. Our discipleship also has to be well-rounded. We can't just be this single, like, I'm the tough conversation person. I'm the truth deliverer. I walk around this church and I see people and I just tell them, hey, don't you sin. <laughs> Saw you today. You know, we don't, we want a full course meal. We want, and obviously the foundation is love, but we want to give this full course meal. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, 4, it takes these beautiful tensions. The wisest man in the world wants to point out that life is full of tensions. It says there's a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. And we don't want to be so single focused that we can only hit somebody in this single time. Right, we, we're only able to help somebody if they're grieving because we're, we're really good at you know, just empathy, but if they're having a celebration, we have no clue how to cheer and say, congratulations, I'm so happy for you, I can't believe it. You know, we wanna be well-rounded in our, in our presentation. This is something I wanna say. We believe in joy at our church, okay? There is a time to laugh and dance and celebrate. I don't understand churches that have thrown out dancing. I understand maybe why they've thrown out like club dancing, but that, I do understand that. But, but a joyful dance, like that, that's gonna be a lot of heaven. Like those poor people are gonna have a couple centuries of just recalibrating. They're like, oh, I thought dancing was bad, but everybody seems to be, look at little kids when music comes on. It's instinctual. They can't, you know, they just can't help it. And I think that's the coolest dancing. There's zero choreography, zero carrying to the beat, just move my body. <laughs> we were, at a, we were at a, a, up at Snowbird at the Oktoberfest and they had a live band and, and we had our kids and all of the kids just ran right in front of stage and started dancing. And pretty soon the crowd on this hill is more just like watching all of our kids dance than the band. The poor band, they got their, soul, their show stolen. But everyone was just loving it. And one of the kids, like, all of a sudden just drops down, does a somersault, and people are like, woo, you know? <laughs> we see joy. We see laughter. Look at God in the Bible in the Old Testament. Every time he did a miraculous thing, you know what he did? He's like, you know what we should do, guys? We're going to set a time in the calendar to remember this, and you're going to have a feast and a party. Like that, like, read your Old Testament. He's like, hey, I did a thing. Here's, here's what we should do. We'll celebrate that thing. We're a church that believes in celebrating the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Some people, you know, you just need to remind your face that you have the goodness. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. When I drive, I look like I want to fight people. I don't know why. I just, I'm at the wheel, you know, but <laughs> I have to remind my face. I have the good news. Remind my body sometimes. Man, I have the good news. I have the good news. We are a church that believes in fun and holy. But the fun's important. Because as we journey this, 
you know, we're up against the spirit of this world and, and the devil and, and, you know, and then our personal flesh as we're working out our discipleship and crucifying our flesh, we can, we can have a bend towards just getting like super introspective and downer and yet we're fully forgiven and loved right now and so I always wanna have a bend that if we're gonna get together, more than likely a party's gonna break out. Fun is gonna happen. That's important. People, I mean, we get more people come to our church because of connect groups and they peek, the neighbors look over the fence, they're like, they're having a lot of fun. <laughs> and then they go again, and it's late at night, they're like, they're still having fun. But nobody's drunk or fighting. This isn't like my fun. And then, you know, sure enough, hey, what's going on in there? What's, 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 what, are, 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 you guys were up, you were having a good time, and they're like, oh, that's yeah, our church. And people are like, huh? You know? So we want to be, communicate the joy of the Lord. Discipleship is a full course meal. John 15, 11, just so I can go back right to my root passage about discipleship. Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. And then he just says, by the way, yes, your joy will overflow. You can give yourself permission to enjoy being loved by God. And you are the only one that can give yourself permission. Amen, that's a good point. Come on, come on. My favorite author said it like this, the serious business of heaven is joy. It's not frivolity. It might look like frivolity here on earth, but in heaven, it's a lot of what we're gonna do. It's most of what we're gonna do is just live in the joy of the Lord. All right. Now, there's not a but, but there is an and. We also are there for our brothers and sisters in adversity. We also, we're not like this fake, like, hey, you know, don't ever say anything's wrong because you're, you're, you know, you're a buzzkill, you're killing the party. We're not, we, we also know that life has adversity, right, right. right? John 7, or Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. When life's hard, you want somebody who loves well. And so that doesn't mean we're not real and transparent. Look, the fun and holy, it, 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 it is our bend, but we also can get down on a knee and say, hey, me too. Hey, let me share, let me share my testimony with you. Let me tell you, yeah, I get it. I, I've been there before. And we want to pull people up. We're real. We're transparent. How do we do that? Uh, the best way to do it is in 1 Corinthians, in my opinion, 1 Corinthians 4 through 8. Now, this is not just a scripture for weddings. I was at a wedding yesterday. They read this passage of scripture. So it kind of has become the wedding, but it's not. It's for the church. It's for the people of God. In fact, the whole surrounding message is this was talking to the church, reminding them this is what we do. And it reminds us that we got to love well. So how do you love well? There's actual practical ways to do this. So here we go. It's patient. Be patient with people. You know, if someone came to you and they're struggling and they're being open and honest and they want, they're repentant, don't roll your eyes and be like, again. You know, like, <laughs> let's be patient. Yeah. Let's be kind. Let's be kind. Be kind to people. You know, like, I watch sometimes, a, a really good definer for me of where somebody's character at is going to a restaurant and seeing how they treat their waiter or waitress when they make a mistake. When they make a mistake. That's a really good, for me, look, I like, my, I like my food served hot and on time and the right thing I ordered, I get that. But let's be kind. Does not envy or boast 
This is important. When we're, when we're reaching down and helping people abide in Jesus, when we're taking them to Jesus, we, 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 they'll smell if this is a show for you. You know, uh, uh, codependency can cause you to actually be very helpful and kind to people, but your motive is not them, it's to make you feel better about you. So we wanna let God heal that and take that out of us because even though you might say all the right things, people can smell it. They're like, hmm, this isn't, that didn't feel right. What's going on here? You were nice, but it seemed like there was agenda. Next one. Does not dishonor others. It's really important as we help people. We don't join, if they're offended and hurt at someone, we don't want to join the bashing party. Right? If you're talking to a friend that's married and they're really upset at their spouse, you don't want to be like, oh, let's pop a bottle of wine. Let's talk about spouses. Let's talk about, let, oh man, let me tell you what... Like, no, we don't want to feed that. We want to try to bring things into honor. Yes. Carry a spirit of honor where, yes, I know that probably hurt, but reminding people, well, okay, let's look, at the, let's look at the good things in your marriage. You know, I'll talk to guys and they'll be frustrated. I'm like, well, what, it, what does she do well? I want to point, I want to point, like, that's your spouse. Let me, let me help you honor them again because honor begins a flow of peace and blessing and God's, God's favor. So we come with an honor, not a dishonoring. Uh, it's not self-seeking. I already talked about that a little bit. You don't have an agenda other than let me help. It's not easily angered. Look, hurting people hurt people. Yeah. Right. Uh, about uh, two years ago, a friend of mine, business owner, was going through the, probably the hardest part of his life. And he reached out and asked me to pray. And we prayed and we talked for a while. And I said, hey, man, reach out if you need anything. I'll reach out to you. And he had a few other people that I knew were also in his world that were reaching out. But for whatever reason, life got really busy for me. And we went about six weeks without talking. And one day, I just kind of out of the blue, I'm like, oh, man, I need to call my friend. And I called. And man, for six weeks, he'd been telling himself this story. They don't really care about me. Nobody cares about me. I, I care about them, but they don't care about me. So when I got on the phone, it was just vitriol. I mean, attacking me, attacking my church, attacking my character, and it was harsh. And I wanted to be like, okay, okay, let's go. <laughs> I talk for a living. I can, I can find some stuff. Let's do this. But I just chose to say, man, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. I'm reaching out because I love you and I'll always be here if you need it, call me. Two years later, just a couple weeks ago, calls me. And just because I didn't shut the door and fight then, as, as he's getting in this healing process, he knew that that door was left open and we had this beautiful conversation. He did apologize, but he didn't even need to because I forgave him that day because hurting people hurt people. And if I gotta be a little bit of a punching bag to help people get to Jesus, I can take that. Wow. All right, so... Not easily angered and keeps no records of wrong. That goes with the story I just said. Finally, a couple more verses here. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Effective discipleship. You do want to share the truth. Obviously in love. But I talked about it in the other thing. Discipleship is not just empathy. It's not just being a shoulder to cry on. It's also, it's coming down to their level saying, I get it, but then sharing some truth. And not just truth about their error or they need to forgive, but remind them of the truth of Jesus. 
Remind them that, hey, Jesus has forgiven you everything. You can forgive that person. You know, God is with you. He doesn't want you to stay here. It's, it's an it's a uplifting truth. The truth is, is sometimes it hurts a little, but there's also the truth that God wants better for you. So we have to be truth speakers, not just ears that will amen your feeling. And let me tell you something. If you're wounded or bitter, be very careful because like spirits attract. Wow, wow. I went through a hard season where I had to deal, deal with a lot of unforgiveness. And I noticed that certain people would just pop out of nowhere. How are you? Oh, good. Heard some bad things happen to you. Yeah, it's kind of been rough. Want to talk about it? I don't know. Well, let me tell you all the bad things that have happened to me. You know, and, and you get sucked into this vortex. And, and I'm telling you, so if you're wounded, be very careful who comes around. Make sure you're hanging around people that maybe have had the same wound but are over it, have, have overcome it, right? We want to make sure that we have that. So love always protects. Why are we talking to people? Why are we helping people? We want to protect them from the enemy, from bad things happen, from consequences of bad decisions. Always trust Always hope. This is really important. Your, your conversations, no matter how dark the situation, what you need to be sowing is hope. Because if you have Jesus, there is always hope. There is always hope. I'll meet you at your empathy, but I will remind you that there's hope. And, and finally, it always perseveres. And I love the last verse. I'm just going to do the first part. Love never fails. Okay. So... If you need to learn how to have better, more effective conversations with people, that's your scripture. Point number two, encouragement ecosystem. Encouragement ecosystem. As the church, we recognize we are not the savior, but we point people to the savior. And the number one command in the Bible, get this, the number one command in your Bible is fear not. Encouragement is the process of putting courage back into people. That is the process. That what encouragement literally breaks down. In courage. We want to get people in courage. How do you do that? You look for the golden people and you highlight it. We are, we, you know, that's why I love our high team with the orange shirt. They're, they're out there smiling. And listen, this is not like a segue team. Like, oh, you're kind of near the church. You can be on the high team. No, 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 no. Some people have gone their whole week without one person giving them a compliment or a smile or saying, hey, I'm glad to see you. And so we pick the friendly people, the nice people that have a gift for that. Say hi to the high shirt people. They'll make you feel better about yourself. They're going to smile at you. There's power in that. We want to put courage in people. You put courage in people by being encouraging. You know when you're around an encouraging person, you just feel better. They notice that you have new shoes. They notice that, you know, you got a haircut and you're looking, you, you think that's small, but it's not. It's not, hey, man, oh, I saw all your story on Instagram. That looked amazing, you know, or, oh, I saw you cook that thing. These little touches of encouragement remind people that with God, like, he's, I'm, I'm loved. Loved people, perfect love casts out fear. Loving th- people is no small deal. It's how we get them out of fear into encouragement. It's reminding people, hey, saw you the other day doing that, or you know, you see somebody on your team and they show up a little early. It's just saying, man, I see you came early and set those signs up. Thank you. You're so amazing. 
This is important because we, are, we as a church need to point people, teach people to abide in Jesus. And if we can get the love of Jesus with some skin on, after a while, they'll be like, well, I don't know what that guy's preaching up on stage, but I sure like the people that are around me when I'm here. And eventually it begins to trickle in and they realize, oh, this is coming from Jesus. Yeah, it's not, you know, we have people all the time be like, what are these people on? They seem so happy. Like, where's the Kool-Aid up in stairs? Like, what's going on here? It's just because we've created an ecosystem, an ecosystem of encouragement, which is how, if you ever read your Bible and ask God for help, have you noticed that when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's usually always starts with love. Honestly, and if, if you don't feel that when you talk to God, I, w- I would just say, check the voice you're hearing. Wow. Check wow. the voice you're hearing. There's conviction. I get convicted, but the Holy Spirit usually talks to me and he says, hey, that's, uh, that's not who you are. Yeah. Right, right. Point number three. Oh, let me just read two quick Bible verses because you're like, well, it's nice. Is this just a TED talk? No, the Bible says to be encouraging. <laughs> Let me put, I, wanna, I want you to understand this is coming directly from the Bible. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur on one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. Just want to pause for a minute. Don't be the person who's in the habit of not going to church, but encouraging one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another, build each other up just as in fact you are doing. So God's answer is when you've been encouraging, what should you do next? Keep doing it. Keep doing it. You're doing it? Keep doing it. And it has a trickle effect. In the Bible, there's a principle of sowing and reaping. You haven't got a promotion in a long time at work? Try being the most encouraging person at work. Try it. Try it. I guarantee you, there's a downward spiral for that. I've, I've been shockingly, since I became a Christian, received random times like awards or accolades and I could never figure out why, but I realized that very quickly because I had encouraging mentors in my life, I was encouraging. And it would trickle down to like awards, like I got an award for football. And I'm like, I'm not the biggest guy on the team, but it was like, oh, this is the all team, all league, whatever. And I was like, I was literally shocked, I'm like, what? I, I literally was like, I voted for someone else. Like, I think he has better stats than me, but, but I was an encourager on the team. And the coaches in the league recognize, you know, there's, there's a leadership there. So be an encourager. It'll go well for you and go really well for those around you. Last point, why is discipleship so important? Because we're meant, it's the identity incubation factor. Identity incubation. The word incubation is for the time set aside for something to grow in a certain atmosphere. So eggs incubate under the hen in order to hatch into hatchlings. And if they aren't incubated properly, they won't, they won't be born. Babies incubate in the womb. So wanna go off on pro-life, but I'm gonna stay focused. <laughs> Babies, we incubate. We are here to incubate people learning to abide in Jesus. And James says that when we look into God, when we look into his word, when we look at Jesus, we actually see ourselves in the mirror and we actually see who he made us to be. We're not here to get you to be part of a cog, part of a machine. You know, well, you have to dress a certain way and act a certain way and then you belong. That's not the point. We were trying to introduce you to the Savior Jesus and the King Jesus and the Lord Jesus because he made you and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. 
We're not the Savior, but we want to incubate people to meet the Savior and meet them faster and more appropriately. Somebody brought it up to me when I was talking about the importance of having discipleship in the world and being a disciple. They brought up this scripture written by the same author of John 15, which I was talking about earlier, and it's 1 John 2, 27. And it says this, but the anointing, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. I'll drink to that. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as the same anointed teaches you concerning all things, and it is true and not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Notice the language there, abide in Jesus. Yes, we have the Savior and the Holy Spirit. And I have met people that got saved alone in a hut on an island and got baptized uh, you know, by the Holy Spirit. And I've met people that then from there, because God is going to get it done, he's amazing, nothing can stop him, he will guide people. But what a gift. When we moved to Utah and we got our yard, let me explain it this way. We were so excited to have a garden, by we I mean my wife, but uh, <laughs> we wanted to grow everything. Like we're, gonna, we're going off the grid, man. We don't even need to go to the grocery store. We're gonna have everything. I'm like, can you grow bacon? I guess it's an animal, but still. <laughs> There's no bacon tree. I've, I've studied it, doesn't exist, sorry. But aren't pigs amazing? You feed them garbage and they make bacon. They're like the greatest recycler of all animals. Anyways, sidetrack God, come back. The garden. As we started to plant things and, and want to plant things, we learned that some things, because of the climate here, won't work. We came from San Diego, so we're used to like avocados and citrus and you know lemons, limes, and, and, and those won't work here because the climate gets too cold in the winter. And so we wanted to grow some certain plants. We realized we couldn't, but then we started reading about, but you can have a greenhouse. What does a greenhouse do? It doesn't replace the sun, but it amplifies what the sun does. It insulates that place so it can be an incubator. Why does the church exist? It's a gift to people that once they accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we could be a greenhouse, an incubator that helps you learn to abide in him much faster, much more effective, teaches you to, heals you quicker. That's why we exist. Your health, listen to me, your health and your purpose will expedite the speed and power of this greenhouse for other people. That's why we champion you. That's why we want you to know that you have a purpose in God because we are the answer for this city. You don't like what you see on the news? You don't like what's going on in politics? Right here is the answer. We're the great incubator for people to find who they are in Christ, whose they are in Christ, who they belong to, and then be able to reproduce that for other people. And this thing will never stop growing. That's why you get people like last Wednesday, if you weren't here, you missed it. We had a three by 10. And every one of those ladies knocked it out of the park. That's why you get a Mallory up here, crushing a message. There's an army of people that can share the good news because we're, as an incubator, we're all going up. We're in this atmosphere of Christ. Why don't you stand to your feet? Great commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Learn how to be a good disciple. Learn how to love and receive the love of God. Learn how to infuse hope 
and courage into people. And watch as God will not only expedite your own life, but your influence will begin to increase. Your purpose will begin to be made clear. There's not a single person in this room that God doesn't have a purpose for. Not a single person in this room. Now, there's only one way to find your purpose. And it starts with, do you know Jesus? Without Jesus, you'll never find your God-ordained purpose. We need Jesus in our life. We need to be forgiven completely from our sins, washed clean, and step into Bible says that when you ask Jesus into your heart and you believe that he died for your sins and that he rose from the grave, you are born again and you are adopted into the family of God. And now all the price tag, what blocks us from the presence of God is sin. He is holy. He is perfect. Sin does block people from the presence of God. Yet in his love, he came up with a solution. He said, I'll send my only begotten son, part of the Godhead, three in one. I'll send them down and I will take their place. I will take the place of the, they deserve a punishment even on their best days. Nobody has ever been good enough to meet the standard of God's holiness. But Jesus took your place. And once you acknowledge that and believe that, the Bible then says that the Spirit of God comes into you and you are born again. And now you will stop working for love and you will work from love and your purpose will be able to be activated. But friends, it can only be done with Jesus. I'm gonna ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have not asked him to be your king and put your faith in the fact that he paid the price for your sin and your transgressions. Today, you have that opportunity. It's crazy and it's audacious how easy it is Bible just says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died for your sins, that you'll be counted in the God's book of his children and you are, your new home is heaven. And that's the starting point. Bible calls it being born again. So if you don't know Jesus in that way, or maybe you feel really far from him, maybe you're like, I, I think I pray this prayer, but I'm not sure. You, friend, you should know. You should know. And Jesus wants you to know. So with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, if you need to ask Jesus into your heart today, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to include you in a prayer, and I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand in a minute. And when, by raising your hand, what you're saying is, God, I, give, I surrender. I'm in. I want you, Jesus. I've tried this on my own. I've tried it my way. I need you, Jesus. I want your gift. I want what you've paid the price for me. So if that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. But this is between you and God. Don't worry about the people around you. This is between you and God. One, two, three. If you need to ask Jesus in your heart, raise your hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down, but make sure I see your hand. Anyone else? Friend, this is, this is a transform. I'm so glad somebody gave me this opportunity. It changed my entire life. like there might be one more person I'm just going to give another chance it's like this you're wrestling with God but don't worry you're in like the safest room ever because <laughs> all of us have done this or are going to do this in Jesus name anyone else awesome awesome all right everyone look up at me
Listen, if you raised your hand, this is the beautiful Cynthia over here, and she has a gift for you, okay? She has a book called The Bible. I really recommend it. It's my favorite book, changed my whole life, The Bible, and we also have a gift, uh, another book, a short little book called Following Jesus. It just outlines the steps of growth and discipleship because you're starting this new life and this new journey. And so real quick, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. If you raised your hand or you should have raised your hand, I want you to pray this from your heart and God will do the rest. God will do the rest. But after that, I will have you come up and just, Cynthia, we have a team over here. We just wanna pray with you real quick. Don't tuck out. Let us give you the book and just amen the decision you made. So church, pray this out loud with me. Dear Jesus, this morning, I ask you into my heart. I believe that you went to that cross to forgive me of my sins. I ask you now to wash me clean. I repent of that old life. I want to follow you now. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that today I am forgiven and heaven is my home and I am loved and I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.